There's no reason why you have to throw out the whole thing, but like take components to it that worked well for you and then throw out the rest. And if you do that every single day, every single week, every month, every year, eventually you will create your own version of your diet rather than being on a diet. And that's how you finally figure out what works best for you. Facts do not have opinions. Just don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. Self-love is really about self-respect and acceptance. Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of Real Everything. I'm here each week to dive deeper into how we can find happiness and health inside and out through self-love, body positivity, and discovering new ways to be our best selves. Before we get started, a reminder, this podcast is for general education purposes. And while our guest, Tony, is a registered dietitian, she's not your dietitian. So we always suggest seeking appropriate treatment with licensed professionals accordingly. That said, I am excited to introduce you to Tony, who is a registered dietitian and the business owner of Tips with Tony, who ironically teaches people not to diet. (laughs) Her team of RDs provide online nutrition coaching to help women, especially, break free from the all or nothing mindset. Tony's mission is to end restrictive diet culture by providing simple tips to healthy living while also incorporating foods you love. And she recently gave a TEDx talk that you can go check out, has written the book Once Upon a Diet, where she parallels between dieting, dating, and romantic relationships in how we treat them all the same. And we're going to dive more into that today. But first, Tony, welcome to the show. Could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm extremely excited to be here, and thank you for the beautiful introduction. Like Stacy said, I am a registered dietitian, and I think people always want to know how I got into the field and why, and it's because I myself struggled with my relationship with food and my body image, and led it led me down some like very disordered eating patterns and behaviors. I was obsessed with losing weight. I thought losing weight would make me, you know, everybody like me, the boys at school, just like more friends. I would thought I'd be better at sports if I lost some weight. And I basically like wrapped my whole entire world around fixating on weight loss and like waiting till be happy when. It was a very, very (laughs) tumultuous relationship with myself and others even and with food. So I'm just glad to be on the other end of it. And obviously it wasn't a smooth transition, lots of bumpy roads, you know, bumpy road to get here where, where I'm at now. But now I can confidently say I have healed my relationship with food. I found balance in my eating habits. I love my body on all days. Even on the days that I'm not liking what I see, I still know how to show it love and appreciation. And it's just been a really awesome mental transformation that I've, got, uh, that I've achieved over the years. And I'm excited to, to be here to be able to share a little bit more about that with your listeners. Yeah, I'm excited too. And I think you'll find that this audience is probably more well-versed than others in some of the foundational general concepts that I know you talk about on social and Mm -hmm. in your book. But maybe we can just give an overview reminder for someone who's listening for the first time. 
why are diets more harmful than good? Or as you say mm. in your book, just because it's working doesn't mean it works. Yeah. Which is so yeah. clever. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Well, I mean, there's oh, there's so many reasons. I mean, I think the main thing is, is like, there's definitely not one, there's no one size fits all approach. And so 99.9% of the diets out there are very much like do this, don't do that, or like following a specific protocol, but not really taking into consideration your likes, your dislikes, your cultural backgrounds, your preferences, your ability to cook, your access to food, your health, like your physical health. Because believe it or not, weight and health are not equated to be the same thing. They can be associated in certain concepts and like times, but for the most part, they're definitely not the same. And so a lot of things are really telling you what to do rather than teaching you how to just, you know, enjoy food and how to cook food and how to feel good when you eat certain foods and how to do that and also live a life that's fulfilled with other things so your entire world isn't associated and wrapped around food so dieting i mean there's so many ones out there but for the most part it's really focusing on what not to have or it's telling you to do things very specific and rigidly and people get really stuck and so they think that they're somehow providing value to their life but in the reality is if we like zoom out and look in unfortunately all they're really doing is now being hyper fixated hyper focused or hyper obsessed with certain foods and what they should and shouldn't do and now equate a lot of guilt to it and it can lead down just like uh, you almost like never feel like you're you're doing enough i actually just had a follower message me saying that she feels like a failure and i i hate that for her and but i know how that feels and i think a lot of people can resonate with that unfortunately is like they just constantly are feeling like they're not doing enough or they're not good enough because they're not able to follow these diets to a T. So from a mental perspective, it can be really damaging, but also from a physical perspective, it can be, you know, you're taking a lot of foods out and a lot of foods contain certain nutrients that our body's needs and it can affect your gut health. It can affect your quality of life. It can just affect so many other aspects. So, you know, especially the very restrictive ones, they could even damage your metabolism. They can, you know, you can have lower, a lower immune system. Like, there's just so many reasons why I'm, like, so not a fan of diets. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I think it's interesting to kind of, as you were talking, I was thinking back on kind of my journey with dieting, which started as a child, you mm. know, all the way into my late 30s before I finally was like, this is not working for me <laughs> like yeah. no matter how many times I tried things and I think you know kind of what struck a chord with me was when you said people can't like they feel like a failure because they can't stick to the strict rules and I would add to that people also feel like a failure when they strict to the fix to the strict rules and it doesn't work for them they still mm. blame themselves yeah and that was definitely what was happening to me right like no matter what I did or you know whatever all all of that was always my fault not the, this as a culture doesn't work there's millions of people who all have these same experiences as me like it's not just me so right. it's it's interesting no matter how many times I talk about the harmful effects like you were listing them off so quickly but like each one of those is we a, can have a whole podcast yes exactly it's, yeah. it's it's crazy so yeah, it always hits me different each time. So Definitely. still working on that emotional healing myself. I, I love that you say that 
every day you can love yourself even if you don't like what you're seeing you still know mm-hmm. how to love yourself I think mm-hmm. that is such a, a great mindset and a goal for us all and certainly how I feel 90% of the time and then it's still mm-hmm. a conversation that I'm having with myself sometimes like nope that's that's not actually productive <laughs> well, no it's on. so true and I mean and I know you just recently I, I was just very open about my my current relationship and now I'm talking about like romantic relationships and how we were kind of in a really rough season and but at the core we really love each other right so what well, that's very similar to our bodies it's it's when you love someone you treat them with respect and you you care for them and you show them appreciation but there's going to be some days where you're just like are you freaking kidding me right now like this is so frustrating <laughs> like how you know and it's kind of just like taking a step back and just like if you want to make it work like you got to work with your body rather than against your body and if you want to stay with your partner you're going to have to work with them rather than against them right so it's a very that's like one of the many, very many parallels that are there but i think it's if people can look at it like that they can really start to understand that you know some days you're gonna like want to punch your partner in the face um, but you still love them at the end of the day right so there's gonna be some days where you look at the mirror and you're just like you look in the mirror and you're just like oh this is just not my day but you what you also don't want to do is now hyper fixate on all the reasons and all the things of what you don't like because now this little thing just turned into this really big thing right so it's kind of like when your partner just like didn't do the dishes and you're just like a freaking again and he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that and he doesn't do that and da 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 and now it's like this whole big thing and it was like one little thing it's like well you know what actually he's been really busy or she's been really busy or whoever it is like you know or they you know they were very helpful here yesterday like you start to really you know you don't want to be type super fixated on just that one thing because you can easily spiral <laughs> so it's really i don't know what you're talking that. about i've <laughs> never ever spiraled with my partner <laughs> oh my God, so no but weird. i think that's that's a great kind of bridge into your book dives into why our, what we do diet wise, why we diet and how we mm-hmm. date mm-hmm. are very much a parallel in how to stop settling in both. Now, as mm-hmm. someone who's been in a relationship for over 20 years, I don't even remember dating, but the, <laughs> the analogy that you just gave about being frustrated with a partner and getting to that point with your body and then also needing to kind of like remember that everybody is not perfect Mm -hmm. your body's not perfect your partner's never going to be perfect but you still love them you still respect them and you can work together to solve the problem versus getting angry which isn't really going to solve anything so maybe you could talk more about that concept in general yeah definitely and I'm glad you mentioned like you don't even remember what it's like dating because that's like there's stages right so I I, in the book I kind of have and I actually talked about this in my TED talk as well about like these three questions we need to ask ourselves whether we're in a diet before a relationship in a relationship during the diet after the diet after the relationship so that you can kind of realize that these tips are going to be helpful regardless of your stage whether you're in a full-blown relationship or in the middle of a diet or thinking about joining one or thinking about dating or you're dating around or whatever it is and so the reason the first thing that it came to me like I thought that my TED talk was going to be about like one topic and just kind of dating in general because I was thinking about all of the women who would come before they would start working with us in the six months of food freedom program I would watch them go from diet to diet hoping each one was like quote-unquote the one And so I make the correlation that they went around like Cinderella's stepsisters trying to jam their feet into something that clearly wasn't a good fit. And like, I thought that was where like the, 
the TED talk would end and I didn't think it would be a book. I thought it was like one singular concept, but then I started to go deeper and I was like realizing, wow, you know what? Even when they're in the diet, like they never question, like, do I even like this? And that where that quote that you mentioned, like just because it works doesn't mean it's working. That was me in my twenties when I was dating, I was in a long-term relationship and it was working, but it, it, it wasn't, it, it, it works, but it wasn't working. Like it was fine. It was okay. But, and then I, like, if I had taken a step back, and I asked myself, like, do I even like this? The answer would have been no, but I was just in it. So I was just like, okay, well, this is the relationship. I'm supposed to marry them. Like, I fell in love in high school. I fell in love in college with them. No one ever liked me in high school. Well, then, so this is my partner. And it's like when I finally took a step back, I was like, okay, just because it works doesn't mean it's working. Like, I don't need to commit to this person the rest of my life. Like, I can just, I have choices, right? So you can be in the middle of a diet and, like, yeah, maybe the scale's going down and that's a, that's a goal for you, but, like, do you, do you, how's your energy levels? Like, are you feeling confident in your body when you go out to eat? Do you feel like you're not obsessing or stressing over what to order, how much to order? Like, you know, like, do you even like it? Do you like the food that you're eating? Right. And so these are the sort of questions that I think people need to be really asking because you actually don't have to settle. You get to choose. You have many choices and your version of health and wellness and even your relationship, it can be what you want it to be. And it doesn't have to be very like specific or rigid like we talked about before. So that those those are two of the parallels. And the last question I have people ask themselves is like, what lessons did I learn from this? And basically that's helping you like after a relationship or after a diet to really kind of sift through like, okay, you know, maybe this wasn't, this didn't work, but rather than me going and doing another version of this diet with just, you know, maybe it's still a different diet, but the basis is still restriction. Like maybe I should learn that, you know, restriction isn't the answer. It's actually part of the problem. Or like I say in my, I mean, book in my TED talk, I dated five versions of the same guy, just with a different name and a different face. And it's true. I literally would get out of one relationship, be single for a while, get back into another long-term relationship. And yeah, it was a different person, but like it, it was still the same thing. Like I didn't see my worth. I didn't see my value. I was settling because I never really questioned, like, do I even like this person? It's like, oh, they liked me. So therefore I should like them back. And that's pretty much like the pattern that I saw myself going through. I saw clients going through and that's what kind of birthed this book because I realized, wow, so many people are struggling with this and there's so many more parallels than I thought there was. Yeah, I think when you're kind of grouping it together like that, it's it's interesting to think about, especially from the perspective, like you said, of how we go from one diet to another to another. I mean, as someone who has authored three best-selling diet books, it's hard for me to kind of reconcile in my brain where I am now versus where I was then. And I genuinely mm. thought that I was talking about lifestyle change and mm. all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And the concepts definitely have always been there for me about, you know, finding the foods that work for you and help you feel good. And I am someone who feels better when I eliminate certain foods. And mm -hmm. so that feels safe to me. Like if I am in a space where like last night we had people over for dinner who didn't know that I was gluten-free and they brought a cake. Like there was no part of me that was like, oh, I'm like desperately wanting this cake because I know that I'm not going to feel right. good when I eat that right. cake. Right. There are plenty of other times in my life where I have been around food where 
as a vegetarian, for example, being around meat or, you know, different, different times. I was a vegetarian for seven years, like Mm. just different times in my life where I can remember just feeling like I am miserable. I am not doing what feels right. Like my body was definitely telling me like that protein is what you need right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't listening. I wasn't being willing to, to do that. And I think, we kind of get stuck in this like restrictive cycle, this dating cycle, what, you know, whatever that parallel is to convince ourselves that the thing that we're doing at the time is the right thing. And therefore that sacrifice, that negativity is all worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And I think having been on the other side of that, having been someone who, you know, achieved my goals. And then of course I created new ones for myself. I couldn't just be happy with, with, with hitting that goal and hitting that goal and hitting that goal. It was always like one more thing that I needed to be happy because I wasn't happy with myself. And I was Mm -hmm. chasing this idea of whether it was a Prince Charming that was going to save me or whatever. I think we all would tell the, you know, toddlers in our lives who idolize a fairy tale story, like, a prince who you've met two days ago is not going to save your save your life and your world and validate you and give you the love that you need. You need that yourself, right? Yep. That's why I love the modern yep. Disney movies like Frozen. Um, yes. And so, you know, when I think about that from, like, a dieting perspective, I'm also thinking, like, I really thought that those diets were going to save me. I really thought that I, just like you, that I would get to a place where... I would be respected or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I think I personally got hung up on that for so long that I, I really had convinced myself that what mattered to me was being thin, right? That like I could, I could sacrifice and I could do all these things and it was all worthwhile because being thin would be healthy. And I'm using quotation marks when I say that, cause we know that that's not the truth, but I thought that right. for so long. And then, right. then that was really the veil for what I really wanted, which was for people to like me, for people to be kind, for people to not see me as less than for all of the years that I had experienced as an overweight child, teenager, adult, for all the like medical doctors who just Mm. the worst experiences as an overweight pregnant person, like trying Mm. to lift myself to a better experience. And once I realized that that was the real issue, that it was really about how I wanted people to perceive me, then it helped me create the emotional balance, the fortitude, the boundaries, the unlearning those negative expectations of what people Mm -hmm. were thinking of me or whatever, and instead focus on what I want in my life are people who support and love is unconditional, like period. That's what I really want. I don't care what a stranger thinks of me or whatever. I want to be surrounded and supported by people who want the best for me. And that includes changing my doctors to people who are supportive. That includes, you know, creating a safe space in my life. Like I had to let go of some friendships that I would leave, you know, spending time with them and not feel good about myself. That's a whole other conversation to unpack as well like the the Mm -hmm. fat friend mentality and all that kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. anyway of course kind of like 
working on that and building myself up to truly believe that I was worthy of love myself just as I was rather than seeking that validation from all these sources. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm assuming, cause I know your story as well, but I, I guess I'm wondering how often when you're working with clients or, you know, that you hear from other people where, especially when weight is conflated as actual markers of health, which you know, we mentioned, but just mm -hmm. constant needing to remind people those are not the same thing. How, how to help people get to the real root, because we convince ourselves of all these things and we genuinely believe them for so long. Right. It's like, it's, yeah. it's so hard. The analogy I say is like, it's a fish in water. Like they don't realize that it's water because it's their air, right? Like right. we don't see the right. air. They don't see the water until you pull them out. Like, how do you help people even get out of the water. Oh God. Okay. Well, so many things. First of all, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your story. I know you probably have new listeners or old listeners. So some people know it, but other people who don't, it's still, I'm sure you've said it many times, but it's still always like bring stuff up. I feel like whenever I talk about my story. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I think what, how do you know that what you're doing is like not actually helpful? <laughs> Basically, I think that's your general question, right? It's like being able to be honest with yourself. It's like, this is actually not for me, even though the world is telling me that it is. I think a couple things like just to start, even listening to a podcast like this, you know, the listeners are already ahead of the game. I think following certain accounts on social media like yours, then the the people listening are already ahead of the game. It's like putting in these other messages in your hair, in your, in your ear, so you can understand like, oh, you know what? There's actually people that genuinely love their body and aren't just constantly on this road to changing it, right? Like that's actually a thing. You know, there's also people who, who are choosing to change their body, but because they want to genuinely from them, their heart, not because they're trying to prove something to the world. It's just they, they're choosing to do that. And it's think, I think it's following certain accounts that are going to definitely help you. The other thing is always questioning why. Like, why do you want to lose the weight? Why do you want to fit into a smaller size clothes? Why do you feel this pressure to have to work out every day or to cut out certain foods or, you know, why, where is that coming from? And I would say probably most, the majority of people listening, they could probably tell you it come, came from some part of their childhood. So like for me, I talk about this in my book and when I was young, as early as the age of nine, I mean, listen, I remember earlier getting teased about my weight, but like nine was a really pivotal moment for me because it was me at that age is when I started to believe it, which isn't, it wasn't true, but at the time I started to believe it. I started to believe that, oh, you know what? Cause I started noticing, you know, none of my crushes liked me back. My people would tell me, well, if I never lost the weight, I would never get a boyfriend. Like I would hear that as early as the age of like 10, it was ridiculous i would get all these comments and i was started to, i just started to notice that like somehow i just didn't feel accepted i did i felt like the fat friend quote unquote right so I, now, as I got older, I started to learn more, listen to more things. I, I questioned like, so when I'm feeling insecure, when I'm feeling unhappy about my body, when I'm feeling this pressure to change it, where is that coming from? And when I started to realize, I was like, it was me, you know, me being at the dinner table and like getting triggered because my grandma would make like faces at me at the table. If I would like reach for too much food, she would like puff her cheeks out insinuating like, you know, are you sure you want to eat that? That sort of thing. I started to remember, you know, well, she, the way she 
grew up, she grew up in an era where, you know, certain models were like stick skinny and that was a thing and that she, it was her looking out for me, but like, that's not the world we live in today, right? I mean, it might, it is, but I'm not choosing to live in that world if I, if I can rephrase it that way. And so I just started to realize like a lot of the times when I would get commented on or whatever, it was coming from other people, like their projections of themselves, projections of what they think. But like, I don't need to believe that I can change my story. So anytime that I would feel uncomfortable or triggered or I'll tell a client, like if they go to a party or a family event and they feel uncomfortable in their body, you know, we always remind them that, you know, it's because of the people around them that is projecting their views of themselves or their views of society onto them, but they don't have to accept that. So you can literally just say things like, I don't receive that. You can say things like, please don't comment on my body. You can excuse yourself and go to the bathroom and just take big, deep breaths. You could ex- actually not go and not associate with those people. Like you get to choose who you're surrounded yourself with because who you surround yourself with will actually influence how you see yourself and your body and also start to learn and realize that you are so much more than your body like your body is fascinating i believe our bodies are super cool and the functions and ability to keep us alive and all the things that we're able to do in our bodies and we should definitely nurture it and care for it but you're so much more than that and i think once you realize that and you surround yourself with people who celebrate you for you meaning your character traits you know just who you are as a person then you're able to slowly begin to disassociate this idea that you need to look a certain way in order to be loved and accepted. This podcast is sponsored by Indeed. One thing I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because it is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't you love it when you make a small change and suddenly everything becomes so much easier? That's what it's like when you start hiring with Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data U.S., I personally got my big career break back in ye olden days through Indeed, and they've grown so much since then, so many time-saving tools. And now Indeed has virtual interview options to save you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent seamlessly all in one place. And after using Indeed's virtual interviews, most employers said it saved them days of hiring time, according to Indeed Data U.S., Finding great talent doesn't have to be a second job. You can hire faster and better with Indeed. Indeed is the number one source of hires in the U.S., according to Talent Nest. And 73% of U.S. online job seekers search for jobs on Indeed each month, according to Comscore. And Indeed's doing something no other job site has done. Now with Indeed, businesses only pay for quality applications matching the sponsored job description. Visit indeed.com slash whole view to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com slash whole view. One more time. Indeed.com slash whole view. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is brought to you by Dame Products. 
I'm all in on the ultimate self-care brand because we all need to be more open about the idea of pleasure being good for us mentally and physically, whether by yourself or with a partner. Recently, our puppy Gus found my heir and brought it to my office. Did he think it was a dog toy or was he telling me I needed to relax? Yes. (laughs) What I learned, other than how to be a sex positive parent by trying hard not to be embarrassed when my teen discovered it, Dame products are super high quality. My longtime experience is that they are long lasting, high performance products, and they work. There is so much variety no matter what your preference is. If you're not making time for yourself to experience the health benefits of pleasure, let me remind you. It can improve the quality of your sleep, help you de-stress, relieve pain, even give you that lit from within glow as you go about your day. Most importantly, exploring pleasure helps you get in touch with yourself. Gus found my air, the suction vibrator from Dame Products. It pulses air with a soft seal around just the right spot. And it's perfect for beginners, waterproof, and features five intensities and five vibration patterns to find what works for you. And the best part, Dame offers hassle-free returns within 60 days. So your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. While on the site, I highly recommend checking out the oil, which is the only clean ingredient lube that passes my clean test and doesn't dry out or get weird with use. Power up your pleasure with air, that's A-E-R, or any of the other toys from Dame Products. Go to dameproducts.com and use code WHOLEVIEW today for 15% off site-wide. That's code WHOLEVIEW to take 15% off your first order at Dame Products. This podcast is sponsored by Just Thrive, which is the probiotic I recommend to all my skincare clients because your gut health impacts literally everything inside and out, including your well-being and mood. I personally take it every day and it is the one probiotic I've tried where I can actually tell a difference in my digestion, cravings, and skin. Why? Well, Just Thrive's breakthrough award-winning probiotic is the only probiotic in the market that's proven to turn your gut into an antioxidant factory. In one trial, supplementing with Just Thrive probiotic reduced leaky gut and inflammation. And because our gut houses up to 80% of our immune system, a healthy gut is truly the gateway to feeling your best. Stress, toxins, even just one exposure to something that doesn't agree with us can derail how we feel. Thankfully, with Just Thrive Probiotics, it's easier to give your body what it needs to thrive. Maximum immune, digestive, and total body health support. Scientifically backed. Plus, it's vegan-friendly, gluten-free, dairy-free, histamine-free, and non-GMO. In the convenience of one easy-to-swallow pill that you can sprinkle on anything if you want to, and doesn't need to be refrigerated because the incredibly powerful strands are over 1,000 times better survivability than yogurt or other leading brands. Seriously, if you're looking for the best in gut and immune health support, choose the clinically proven award-winning power of Just Thrive Probiotic. They even have a 100% money-back guarantee through justthrivehealth.com and use code WHOLEVIEW. Honestly and sincerely, this is the only product I can feel making a difference when I take it. To try it again, get 15% off when you go to justthrivehealth.com and use code 
the whole view. And that includes bundles and subscriptions. So definitely double up on your savings at justthrivehealth.com slash discount slash the whole view with code the whole view. I love that. And I, I want to add, I, and I'm curious if this has been your experience as well, that the more confidence I had about myself and as a mother in protecting my children the same way, more than once I've said to someone before I've gone to see them or an event or whatever, like, please don't comment on our bodies or your bodies. Like, I don't want to hear about diets. Like, we've mm-hmm. got so many other great things going on in our lives. Let's focus on those. Mm-hmm. Um, that the more confidence I had with that and the boundaries that I created, the more comfortable it made the other people who were previously, like, oh yeah, giving the look of disdain when someone went to get seconds, right? Because of exactly what you said. That's really about how they're feeling about themselves. It's about projection. Oftentimes with family, maybe they think, oh, they're responsible. They feel like a failure if you didn't turn out as some sort of idealistic form that they had in their head. And when you protect yourself and you say, this is me and I'm happy and I don't want to talk about it with you, it's almost like it relieves them of that pressure that they put upon themselves. Right, because they think you're judging them most of the time. I think so. Yeah, I think so. doing it as a protective mechanism. Yeah. And I've noticed that, like, I don't, I don't see the same sort of like passive aggressive type behavior or awkward uncomfortableness sometimes. And like, you know what I mean? Like, we don't need to talk about that. We don't need to talk about even the, like the food itself or whatever. Like we have so many other things going on in our lives and food can be magical at family events. Like I, I am one for nostalgia and I love to make like dishes that my grandmother made or like things like that, that bring about memories. But Mm -hmm. instead of talking about the food and how it's so unhealthy because Nona put so much sour cream, blah, blah, blah. Like let's take a moment to enjoy Mm -hmm. this meal that reminds us of her and talk about our favorite memory of her or, you know what I mean? Like how much more powerful and positive is that than the shame and the guilt and everything that people feel like they need to just say Mm -hmm. (laughs) about it Mm -hmm. as though if I don't acknowledge this, you know, dish as being unhealthy, am I a glutton because I enjoyed it? No. You just enjoyed a meal. That's it, period. Right. Well that well that's what's so what's so crazy and this I talk about this a lot is like by feeling by putting this idea that you shouldn't have something or feeling guilty with a food that okay, like here let me back up a bit. So we can use a sour cream as an example. We can use cookies as an example. Whatever it is, we can take a food that we know from a nutrition component, right, from a nutrition standpoint. We know that it doesn't have as much nutrients as, like, say, an apple or broccoli, right? We know that. We're not not living under a rock. We know that, like, from a nutrition standpoint, like, a cookie isn't more nutritious than broccoli, right? Now, but here's the thing. When we choose to eat a cookie, we are not choosing it for the nutritional value. That's not why we're 
we're choosing to have cookies. We're having a cookie because they're delicious, because maybe they remind you of your grandmother, because maybe they just bring you that moment of of joy and it's just satisfying. You know, it's, it's okay to eat food, not just to live or to nourish your body. It's okay to eat food, to enjoy it for that moment, whatever it is. That's okay. Now, but if you think that it's not okay, now we're now taking that food that the purpose of it is for joy. There's no nutritional purpose of a cookie, right? It's for joy. And, but you're robbing yourself of that. So now it's like, what was the point now? And now you feel worse about it. And so because you feel bad about it, most people then end up having, you know, the whole box of cookies or the whole sleeve of cookies or whatever it is. And then they feel sick and now they think it's because of the cookie. The cookie is not the issue, right? Your relationship with food is the issue. The fact that you feel you're not allowed to have that is the issue. Chances are, for a lot of people, or I did, is like I would basically, you know, undereat most of the day. And then, of course, the cookie felt like the issue, but that wasn't it. It's because I ignored my hunger cues all day. Like that was the issue. That's why that one cookie turned into 100 cookies and plus, you know, all the other things. That's where people struggle with binge eating, right? There's a lot of things that, you know, of the root of the core, I think people overlook the fact that your relationship with food and how you view that food matters so much more than the food itself. And I would add that what I didn't fully get, because I understood all of that, but what I didn't really fully get until more recently is how biologically, so you're talking about the mental health aspect of the cookie. Biologically, your body is also going to protect you if you don't eat all day. I do the same thing. I'm Mm -hmm. working really hard to break this habit. It's, you know, a lifetime of, you know, food avoidance and all this kind of stuff that creates that in me as well. And what I realized is that like, if I don't tell myself that I need to proactively eat the foods that I want to nourish myself with regularly throughout the day, then my body will protect me and ensure that I have the energy that I need at whatever point I need it. And that is going to be in the form of something that has a high carbohydrate response so that my body can immediately process that into energy sources. And I think that, you know, you said a cookie doesn't serve any nutritional value. I, I think there's like, I agree with you and right. That your body identifies the cookie as a fuel source as kind of like a jet fuel. Right. And, and if you're not, you know, for example, for me, when I was like lifting strongman all the time, I needed jet fuel type food regularly in order Mm -hmm. to really get the energy that I needed to do the heavy exercise that I was performing all the time. If I'm sitting at my desk working on podcast. Mm -hmm. I don't need jet fuel, right? I, my body would be happy with something else. Mm -hmm. And it's not that the cookie doesn't have all the emotional benefits that you talked about, but that when your brain says, Hey, we haven't eaten in a really long time. We need food. Like it's going to immediately jump to, in most cases, the thing that's going to give it the most bang for its buck. It's not going yep. to be like, spend 10 minutes building a salad because fiber would be really great right now. <laughs> exactly. It does not. No, it's like, find the chips and dip immediately. You yeah. know, like it just it goes to that place, not just because of emotion, but also because that is what we're telling our body. We're telling our body we're in a starvation mode. 
I haven't fed you all day long. Now you have access to food. Of course, your biology is going to say binge the high energy food sources. And it, for me, that is really where that cycle was so problematic. And I think back yep. to like my grandmother who I have, I, I, I very much like, right. I'm built like her. I have a lot in common with my grandmother and she would do the same thing. She would like not eat all day long. And she would tell me like, all I've had today is three Ritz crackers. And I'd be like, Oh my God, yeah, like that's not a good crazy. thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and some people don't believe how is it possible for someone who doesn't eat a lot to be so much bigger. That's how. Because then when you do eat, like, you, your brain is not functioning from a positive mm-hmm. place. I know mm-hmm. I went off on this, like, tangent. No, just... I'm actually really glad that you mentioned that. One of the very found foundational things that we teach inside the Six Months of Food Freedom Program is, like, the difference between physical hunger, what we call physical hunger and psychological hunger. And the way I explain it is if we had, like, a visual aid right now, guys, think of a Venn diagram, right? You have the one circle being your physical hunger, the other circle being your psychological hunger. And then we have that overlap in the middle. So a lot of people are going around in this world under fueling. So not eating enough, not eating enough balanced meals, not eating enough nutrients. Right. And so they're fit, they're physically hungry. And then we have the other side is like psychologically they're hungry, meaning like they are not protecting their boundaries. They're, they're not, Oh, physical hunger could also be like not taking rest days, not getting enough sleep, which we know a lot of people do that. Psychologically hungry is like, you just you're not taking care of your mental health like you're not speaking up for yourself you're letting people walk all over you you talk down to yourself like right you're 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 you know saying yes to everything except for you you know you're extending yourself you're overworking that sort of stuff and so now we have the overlap what i call is what i call the danger zone so most people are working in trying to take care of themselves but not really right in that danger zone like it's it's really hard to do when you're when you're really fighting on with no energy on both ends so the very first thing we actually tackle though is like let's focus on protecting your body and your mind through fueling yourself properly and making and getting you fed from a physical component right so that way now we could also so this is like we can actually now recognize that you know say it's nine eight o'clock at night right and you are like you know you're tempted to go and like raid the cabinet you know if you were at physically had like three meals three balanced meals that day you've been snacking you've been getting adequate sleep now we know that maybe it's a habit thing or maybe somebody triggered you or maybe you're stressed out and that's why you're dealing with it so now we can get to the root cause and actually help you with the stress management of things rather than us deciding like is this hunger or is this stress and if you hadn't eaten enough during the day then it probably is hunger but like you just said you're now not going to make you know a mindful choice you're going to make an impulsive choice and now it's going to the cycle is going to continue so i love that you mentioned that because that's one of the very first things we help people tackle is let's like make sure we're nourishing our body eating balanced meals balanced foods and all but also allowing for those things like the cookie when we want them right so that way we don't we're not demonizing them and so also too now we can make more conscious decisions and then really focus on kind of like their mental health and you know emotional eating and that sort of thing and that way we can begin to associate you know associate the difference between the two yeah and I also I think the idea of um, 
the cookie being joyful for me it's it's not a cookie it's ice cream Um, whatever your thing (laughs) everybody's got a thing and I think the other thing not just from like a family perspective but I I think I often came from a place of demonizing like foods as an emotional crutch because for so long I had had binge eating disorders and all these kinds of things Mm -hmm. from a, a negative emotional place versus lately I find that so for example there was like bad news in the in the world or something like that and my body's like you know what it's an ice cream day and if that day my brain tells me it needs a boost of serotonin because that's what the ice cream is going to do, like I don't have the same guilt associated with that before because there are mm-hmm. so many people in the nutrition world and I, you know, convinced myself of this for so long that if I am addressing emotions with food, that that is a problem. And I started to do the same kind of like unpacking. Why? Why is it a problem if I know that ice cream is going to bring about general feelings of in this moment, I'm having anxiety, I'm stressed out, it wants a boost of serotonin. Why is that a problem for me? Do I think that I'm not going to be able to control myself? Do I think that mm-hmm. it's going to become this like, you know, cycle? Do I think that I'm going to binge it? Do it, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I think that is so much harder to unpack and to deal with than instead just saying, nope, I'm not going to do it and restrict. But the Mm -hmm. negative implications of that is exactly what we're talking about here, right? Like if that's what you do, then then it's just going to keep getting worse. Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think so many people work in the extremes. So it's like they're hearing, like they hear that, and they're probably like, "Well, I, you're, like you just said, I wouldn't be able to just have a little bit of ice cream. I'd be having ice cream every day, or whatever it is." And that's where their brain goes. But the reality is, is that once you make peace with food, and once you realize that it's actually okay, it's like it really is genuinely okay to have ice cream when you're feeling sad. Then you actually start to realize that you know, it's helpful. It's helpful most times. And and you don't need to have a whole gallon or for you to feel better. Actually, just a small bowl is is fine. Like that works for you, you know? And then just to add to that, like in regards to using food as a, as a coping mechanism, you know, it's, I would, you could almost argue, or you could argue it's better than like drugs and alcohol. Like there's so many other things that, you know, you could be using instead. And like food is readily available to you. It's probably less dangerous than, you know, using drugs or alcohol. And so therefore it's, it's kind of like the thing that I think is almost like a gift to you. And it's, it's definitely okay to do. I think where, where people you know, what they hear is like, we, if you're doing it every day and you're not living your life and having a quality rich life, well, it's not the food that's the issue. It's there's something internally going on. And now your food is just, it's emotional eating is just a symptom that like something else is going on that we need to deal with. But if it's, you know, there's a really big difference between it happening, you know, every once in a while, or, you know, not even, I don't even say every once in a while, but like, it's part of your coping skills, rather it being your only coping skill, there's a big difference within that. And I think that's what, uh, you know, uh, people, I would hope they can hear that as we're talking. It's like, we, we want you to know that it's definitely okay to do. And at the same time, it's, it's one of those things that it's not, the food's not the issue. Like there's other stuff that's probably going on where the food is just like a symptom to that, if that making sense. Absolutely. I think one of the things that hit me when you were talking is the, I want to emphasize your saying that 
ice cream has become to people more demonized than coping with alcohol or drugs, that mm-hmm. there are people, probably listeners, who mm-hmm. when they hear the idea that it's okay to get yourself a bowl of ice cream if your brain is telling you it needs a serotonin boost, that that's a problem, but that grabbing half a, gla- half a bottle of wine is not a problem and it's okay. Right. And, and it's like, why do we think that way? <laughs> like, why, why? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, oh my God, I, we can go on so many tangents with this one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh I'm just like, God. literally when you said that, I was like, I want to emphasize that because it's so it's everything, just like, just like we've been fed about like in like w- growing up watching Disney movies about like the same girl with the same hourglass figure, just with a different hair color, basically gets the guy and falls in love. And that's their fairy tale story. Those are the messages we've been fed that plus celebrities and and being you know there's so many messages we're giving fed on the outside world and then when it comes to like alcohol if you think about it it's literally in every sense you can't watch a movie a television show it's just a normal habit or thing that people at the end of their day they have glass there's wine with it there's a beer with it that's how friends it's literally what we see all of the time but when we see drugs in a, in a tv show or drugs in a movie it, it's we don't see it as much so it's considered like this terrible bad thing but some how alcohol has kind of like it is a drug but but people's minds don't equate it as one and i'm not trying to make people feel guilty for drinking alcohol i definitely drink it just like i have ice cream sometimes i drink alcohol sometimes like but it's just the point being is like it really comes down to like what we've been fed the messages we've been seeing that's how we equate what our norm is absolutely well that is Definitely a topic all in its own that yeah. I, I'm going to table and listeners will come back to that because I will say, you know, part of my journey has been seeing quitting coffee, which was something that I did because I had my actual health markers measured and mm-hmm. knowing that my cortisol was so high for so long, mm-hmm. especially trying to get over long haulers with COVID, so much brain mm-hmm. fog. And I was mm-hmm. like, my life is miserable right now. Mm-hmm. I think that my life will be more miserable without coffee, but like, I am going to give this a shot and removing coffee. And I already don't drink alcohol at the beginning of the pandemic. I was like, I'm not going to drink because that will be a spiral for me. I'm just oh, not going to. To know yourself. Yeah. And so in giving up both of those two things, like seeing huge health improvements, not just from my energy and those kinds of things, but also on actual health markers has really kind of changed my perspective in terms of how we demonize things, right? Like I demonized for so long ice cream, but was partaking in these things that were actually harming my health. But I don't have blood sugar issues, but I was telling myself that I was going to give myself blood sugar issues because of whatever. So I just try to like emphasize that for people because I think that there are, there is so much that is supposed in the outside world that is not actually what our own lived experiences, but we convince ourselves of that because we hear it often enough that it must be true. And then we, we live like you were saying this, this negative kind of mindset and experience. We're not happy. We're not, you know, actually feeling good and all these things, but we tell ourselves that it just must be. So I guess in a, in a, let's try to spin it positively. Yeah. I try Mm -hmm. to have listeners 
walk away with actions that they can take to Ooh. improve their well-being at the I never want to just like drop all of this on them and be like peace out next week so <laughs> I know you mentioned that you have three questions that we can ask ourselves to kind of break the cycle uh, do you want to kind of share those or do you have something else that we can all walk away with in terms of you know creating some of those positive loving behavior modifications forming habits that help us feel good towards yeah. whatever that real goal is that really matters to us and not the actual thing that we're thinking is what we want but isn't really <laughs> yeah for sure well i you know i'll add because i did kind of mention two of the questions i forgot to do the first one so the first question is will this last past the honeymoon phase so it's a really great question to like make sure you don't stay stuck in that cycle just going from one diet to the next but it's basically the same diet but just like in a different book right so it's will this last past the honeymoon phase and be honest with yourself like can you see yourself doing this long term or at least at least more than six months like are you going to learn something for it you know from it is it going to be valuable in some way like the parallel that I liked that I share is you know there's nothing wrong with a short-term fling like you know there was definitely stages in my life where that's really all I wanted but when if your feelings start to change and you're hoping that that short-term fling that like you know that fun person that you're dating turns into your life partner it's probably not going to happen right so don't, don't fool yourself when you start to catch feelings it's time to communicate and just be like hey this has been fun but you know you're not what I want in the long run so I'm going to take you know what I got from it and move on so just be honest with yourself when you're trying you know I, I do actually believe as much as I don't like diets I, I do believe that they do teach us something if you listen right like you had mentioned and Stacy, our journeys are actually very similar where I was a vegetarian for about five or six years but I was bloated all the time I was hungry all the time I had no energy but I was convinced to my I was convinced myself that somehow being a vegetarian was the way right I was just like this is it but I wasn't I wasn't seeing the signs I wasn't seeing the red flags I wasn't realizing you know that this wasn't for me and I think from that, I actually started to pay attention to how my body was feeling. And I was like, you know what, let me explore. Let me start to add animal protein back in. And eventually I did. And I realized that like, you know, as long as the vegetables are the star of the dish, like it, you're probably going to be all right. It doesn't matter how you, how you put it. If you want to use, if you eat animal protein, if you want to do fish, if you want to do a plant-based protein, whatever it is, but as long as you're feeling good with it, make veggies present. I think they are, you know, pretty nutritious and they're going to help you out. But, but for Furthermore, like listen to how your body feels and realize that, you know, okay, so I don't need to be a vegetarian to make vegetables the star of the dish, but like I sh can make vegetables present. I experimented with being gluten-free because I was bloated all the time and I actually still live a gluten-free lifestyle just because I feel much better without it. I'm less bloated. I have less migraines. So I listen to that. So what I'm sharing with you is that you may have tried a diet and most of it was, was crap, excuse me, like most of it was not great, right? But there was maybe aspects to it that that actually helped you maybe you realize that you feel better when you drink more water or part, maybe part of the program was you learned about this new recipe that became like a staple in your you know in your meals that you like to make for dinner like there's no reason why you have to throw out the whole thing but like take components to it that worked well for you and then throw out the rest and if you do that every single day every single week every month every year eventually you will create your own version of your diet 
diet rather than being on a diet. And that's how you finally figure out what works best for you. And that's probably what I would end people with is like, pay attention, maybe keep a, a food journal. And when I say that, it doesn't mean count your macros or your calories or points or anything like that. It means maybe like writing down what you eat or typing in the note section of your phone. And, you know, if you felt really sluggish or tired after, listen to that. If you felt very energetic and you felt like you had actually, you were able to enjoy your food without kind of overdoing it and being ravenous and getting to that point where you have no control around your food, like pay attention to that and slowly start to recognize what works for you and what doesn't. And eventually you'll kind of find your own plan and find what works best for you. I love that. I think for me, I feel so much better when I have breakfast and I never want it. And it always mm-hmm. feels like such, mm-hmm. such an annoyance. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to go deal with that right now. And I never feel as good as if I start my day with an actual breakfast and not just like, oh, let me grab this thing when I get starving at noon, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, but that's me, right? Like, and that's my lived experience. And I, I don't have a gallbladder. So I always tell people like, my, my own digestive journey is a little bit different than everybody else's. But yeah, I think it's just a matter of, of giving yourself the space to trust and believe in your body. I think that's another thing that especially women have been told their whole lives that is, is a hard one to let go of, right? Like, I think sometimes when we are telling ourselves, okay, I'm going to create like this thing that works for me, like you said, the getting to your own path, part of that has to be grounded in the idea that you can trust your body. You can listen to your body. And if your body says, eat a steak, there's a reason for that. And if your body says ice cream, if your body says salad, if your body says banana, like there are people who feel shame about that. And it's like, your body is telling you what it needs. Mm-hmm. And the more you, just you have trust to listen it, to it. Yeah. You got to listen to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The more you trust and listen, the better, not only will you feel because of like the energy and the nutrients that you're getting, but because you're trusting yourself, you're believing in yourself. That's, and that's, mm-hmm. that's all we have in this world. We come in alone, <laughs> we leave alone. Mm-hmm. If we don't trust and love ourselves, like, what else can we do? So, well, Mm -hmm. I am looking forward to continuing this conversation. We'll be sharing what we really thought over on patreon.com slash the whole view listeners. That's the best place to ask questions too. If you love the show that we create and produce ourselves, the Patreon is a great way to support the show, but so is leaving a review and hitting the follow or subscribe button in whatever app you're listening to this podcast. And that way others can find us as well. And if you'd like to keep in touch with Tony, please visit her website, tipswithtony.com. You can also find her on Instagram, tips underscore with underscore T-O-N-I. And you're also on TikTok. Good for you. You're younger (laughs) than me. Nutrition Tips with Tony, T-O-N-I. And your book, which we mentioned a couple of times, is kind of the foundation of a lot of the stuff that we talked about, Once Mm -hmm. Upon a Diet. And you also have your own podcast, right? Tips with Tony? Yeah, the Tips with Tony podcast. Yep. Awesome. So listeners, we'll put all the links in the show notes for you. And if you have any questions, like I said, pop over to patreon.com slash the whole view where I answer them really quickly. (laughs) So thanks so much for joining us, Tony. Thank you for having me. It's been great.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.